So I was at Riverstone with Carrie Lynn and, uh, and most of our family. Isaac was here helping with media. Uh, I just love the relationship that there is between Riverstone and Glad Tidings. And, um, and also the Wesleyan Church, there seems to be a, an affinity there. And once in a while, I have the opportunity to go and to, and to speak there. And I brought, Carrie Lynn brought some greetings from our church family, uh, from you to Riverstone. And, and we were just blessed to be there. We, we miss being here. We always do when we're away. Um, but I know that you were impacted by, uh, by the word. And Kathy shared last Sunday. And I know that there was an impact there. And here's my prayer and my thought from that. And that is that out of, out of what you heard last Sunday, that, that you would just take a step in, in that place of intimate worship before the Lord. And whatever that step looks like for you, that you would have courage to take that step. And church, we, we have for a while now been on this journey of wanting to, in our corporate times of worship, wanting to come to places of true intimate connection with the Lord in those times of worship. And so I appreciate Kathy being willing to share and, um, and bringing... Uh, the word of God and her, her story, and I know that, um, that you were impacted. And so, um, one more question for you. How many of you have been putting your shoes under the bed in the last couple of weeks? Uh, talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, just seeking God, and how I heard this illustration of someone that said, when you go to bed at night, if you're struggling uh, with finding time with the Lord, put your shoes way under the bed. And in the morning, you're going to have to get down on your knees, and you're going to have to pull your shoes out from under the bed. And while you're on your knees, just stay down there for a few minutes and take some time to seek God. Take some time to just commit your day to the Lord. And, and you know, if that's a practical way that would help you in spending time with God, then get your shoes out and stick them under the bed at night and put them way under there. So you have to get on your knees in the morning and begin your day seeking the Lord. And so perhaps some of you have been doing that. But we are in, uh, we're continuing in our series that we've entitled Possibilities. We will take a break from it for part of December and, and uh, have a bit of a different focus. But I want to continue this morning in our, our series in the book of Joshua. And the title of, of my message this morning is, is For and From. And it's this idea of consecration. Why are we in the book of Joshua? Can anyone tell me why? You probably can, but let me remind you. Our theme this year is transformation. We feel as though, as a church family, God is saying, I want you to press into this truth that I am a God that can transform your life, that there is genuine life change that can come as we walk with God. But perhaps what we need to deal with at the beginning of that is, is maybe some doubt and some, and some lingering doubt that, God, maybe you can't do what needs to be done in my life. And so we have been camped in the book of Joshua looking at the fact that God is the God of the possible, that he can do the impossible in your life. And as we've looked at the story of Joshua and the nation of Israel, I believe God has been, been fueling our faith again to believe that we will experience transformation, that you will experience transformation in your life as you just continue to open your heart to God. And that's why we're in Joshua. And so this morning, we're looking at this thought of consecration. I just want to read the scripture for you. It's Joshua uh, 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great things among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord 
will do great things for you. Again, the context is this. God has said it's time to move. There's this Jordan River that they're going to cross. And on the other side of it, they're going to begin to encounter some giants that are going to be defeated because God is calling them to walk into their inheritance. He's calling them to experience blessing in their lives that comes from simply being obedient and following his lead. And so Joshua gathers the people and he says to them, listen, tomorrow God's going to do something in our midst. We know that God's calling us to move. We know that he has something in mind for us that is good, that's, that's powerful, and that's amazing. But there's something we need to do today. And so he says to them, consecrate yourselves. Here's something you need to do today in order to be ready to step into what God has for you tomorrow. And so he says, consecrate yourselves. I want to I just look at that word for a while. How many of you uh, somehow worked the word consecration into your conversation this week? No? <laughs> no surprise, right? This is not a word that we use in our, in our normal vernacular, in our everyday language. So what does this word mean? Let, let's dig into it for a few minutes. And, and really, I, I think it boils down to this. If we were going to just unpack it, it, it really means for and from. Let me in a couple of ways try to bring us to this thought and then, and then connect it into how it pertains with our walk with God. But let's, let's take, for instance, money. So I, I went back in my memory to um, a time when I had, I had just finished Bible college, 1994, graduated from Eastern I felt as though God was opening the door and calling me to continue uh, my education. Um, And so I went to University of Waterloo. And so I needed a place to stay. I ended up being invited to stay at my aunt and uncle's home. They lived in Conestoga, about 10 minutes outside of Waterloo. So I didn't have a vehicle, so I needed a car. So here's what I did. I got my my little pile of money as a student, right? Not very much. I got my my little, gathered my money, figured out how much I had. And then I took a portion of that money and I set it apart from just kind of the mundane uses of that money. So here, here, was, a, here was a portion of money that I, that I separated apart from, from kind of the usual, right? It wasn't going to be used to buy my cornflakes, all right, to buy milk in the morning. There was something specific for this, this um, amount of money. And so I, I set it apart for something. I had a specific something in mind for it. And it wasn't going to be used for anything else. It was set apart. It was set apart for a specific purpose, and that meant it left behind some things it could have been used for. And so I began to look for a car. In those days, there was no Kijiji. Uh, there was this thing called the Penny Saver. Anyone remember the Penny Saver? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got up the Penny Saver. It's just basically, you know, where you could find things to buy, and started to look for a car. Long story short, I ended up um, finding a car that fit my budget, and so I took that money that I had separated apart from just kind of the pot, and, um, and it, it actually facilitated the purpose for which it was designed. It was set apart for something. And I went and I bought that car, my first car, 24 years old. It was a 1984 Celica GT, five-speed, red. Man, was that a fun car to drive. It was a death trap in the winter. It, it, would, you know, it was really bad. It was a real drive. But, uh, so, so here's this concept in one way of this idea of consecration and and. There's layers to it we'll get to, but it means setting something apart for, and when you do that, it means that there's, there's something else that gets left behind. There's a purpose for it. It's for and it's from. 
But there's another level to this word that, that really we can't miss, and it carries with the idea of relationship. So I gave you a, a kind of a, an illustration that just had to do with a thing, right? With, with stuff. Now, consecration has a, di- a deeper layer than that, and when we use this word, it always relates to relationship. There is a relational component to this word that we have to understand. And so when it comes to God, this concept of consecration is the idea of setting ourselves apart for God. It's it's setting our lives toward God. It's it's from something, and it's for something. And, And it's all about relationship. This is about relationship. It's about setting yourself apart for a relationship with God and and living your life out of that trajectory. And that means setting, uh, separating yourself from some things that may hinder your relationship with God, that may hinder you experiencing everything that God has for your life. And there's a moment where uh, you need to come to that decision. And in fact, we come to this moment often in our lives. But Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. Because there are things ahead of you that God wants to lead you into. But there are things today that we do to prepare for that, to be ready for that. And so it's all about relationship. We can't separate this concept from relationship. And so when when Joshua said that, he was talking about a relational action on the part of the Israelites. We could look at an illustration in marriage. And uh, is Carrie Lynn in the building? No? Okay. That's okay. She can hear this. Um, there, there's a moment, there's a moment um, in our lives, if, if, you've, if you've come to this moment yet, or, or maybe if that's God's plan for your life, if marriage is God's plan for you, there's a moment where as a, as a man and a woman, you come to this place before God and you enter into a covenant relationship. And what you are saying in that moment it, it, it has to do with for and from. Because what you're saying in that moment is, I am setting myself apart from, and I'm setting myself for you. And at that moment, you're covenanting before God to, to uh, set yourselves apart for one another. There is a specific design for your lives together as husband and wife. And, and what that means is that you leave some things behind. What that means relationally is that I'll personalize it. For Carrie Lynn, she uh, fills a place in my life, relationally speaking, that no one else will fill. There's no other woman in my life who will fill that place that, that Carrie Lynn fills for me. And so I have covenanted with her. I have set myself apart for relationship with her in a way that no one else will. And I've left behind, it doesn't mean we live in isolation. But it means that no one else will fulfill that place in my life that Carrie Lynn will. And there was a moment when I decided, and Carrie Lynn decided, that this was something that we wanted to step into. And so what happens in that moment? Well, your priorities change, right? How many of you can remember the before and after of marriage? And so let's take a a simple example. Men, if you golfed five times a week, uh, 18 holes, um, that probably changed when you got married. And that's a good thing. Your priorities begin to change because you've separated yourself for someone. They become priority. It doesn't mean that you never play golf again. Guys, this is a good thing, okay? I'm not trying to say you're wearing a ball and chain. No. This is a good thing. 
where you covenant with someone to begin to walk with them in relationship, and you say to them, I'm separating myself for you, and that means there are some things that are changing. I'm not living like a bachelor anymore. I'm not living my life with only myself in mind, if that was your mindset before. And so this for and from is, is really captures this idea of consecration. We understand that concept in marriage, and so let's come, let's come to our relationship with God. And so consecration is a relational concept. It's always in relationship to God. When you use that word consecrated, you will not use that word in relation to anything else other than if you're speaking about something that has to do with God. Men, you wouldn't say to your wives, I've consecrated this money for a new set of golf clubs, right? No. Consecration, why? Because consecration also carries with it this idea of holiness and of purity. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But consecration, when Joshua said to the nation of Israel, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow God is going to do amazing things among you. They knew what he was saying is get before God and and there's something about your relationship with God that you need to come back to. You need to come back to that place uh, of, of determining in your heart My life is set apart for God. And that's a determination that I've made. That's a commitment that I've made to follow God as he enables me. So they knew when he said, consecrate yourselves, it had to do with God. It had to do with relationship with God. And so consecration is this relational concept, and it it is always in relationship to God. Consecration was initiated by God. This idea of for and from was in the heart of God from the very beginning for humanity, and it's in the heart of God for you today. It originates in the heart of God, this idea that we are to be set apart for God. That's his heart for you, because that's the best design for your life. That's that's the place where you will find joy and peace and hope and life. It's in saying, God, my life is set apart for you, but it originated in the heart of God. I want to share with you a verse, Colossians 1, that unpacks this a little bit. I think I have it for you. Paul says, Now God has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's almost a concept too hard for us to imagine in our our humanity and in our brokenness and in the times when we fail. God says, listen, I have separated you. I have brought you into my presence. And as you stand before me, because of what Jesus has done, you stand before me without fault. You stand before me blameless. You stand before me consecrated, holy, and pure in my presence because of what Jesus has done. Do you realize that that is what God has done for us? What an amazing thought that he calls you to be for himself. And it's through Jesus that you can stand before him without a spot, you know, to reconcile him to yourself. It actually means to place beside. And I had this this thought in my mind that the moment that we put our faith in Christ, it's like, It's like someone picks us up and brings us over and puts us beside God. That you are now in in proximity. You are now in the presence of God. You are now able to experience 
that relational connection with God. God has placed you beside himself through what Jesus has done on the cross. It only happens through Jesus. It only happened because your sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus and your, your, the debt of your sin was paid in full. And that's why God can say, I've, I've called you for my purposes and I've called you to leave behind some things that just aren't part of my plan for you. And so I want you to step into what I've called you to. We can only be brought into the presence of a holy God as we are purified by what Jesus has done for us. And so God consecrates. He makes us holy and brings us near through the blood of Jesus. He sets us apart for himself. And then there's a second part to this. I think we have that on the next slide. There's a part that we have to play as well. We consecrate ourselves by obeying God. We set ourselves apart for him. And so consecration happens in two ways. The first way it happens is that Jesus, by what he's done in dealing with our sin, he's made a way for us to step into relationship with God, that that God's heart for you is to draw you near. That can happen because of Jesus. That's God's initiative. Why did Jesus come? He came because it was in the heart of God to say, I want to call you for myself. And then we have a part to play. And that is that we consecrate ourselves by living a life of obedient faith before God. And so this is what Joshua was calling the people to that day. He said, come back to this place. He was speaking to them as a nation. Come back to this place where you will consecrate yourself. You'll come back to that decision to say, God, I'm all in. My life is for you. My life is lived for you. I want to be set apart for your purposes. I want to be consecrated. And so he called the nation of Israel to a wholehearted, undivided commitment to follow God. Do you remember what marked Joshua's life? What made Joshua and Caleb different from the other 10 men who went into the land and said, we can't do it? Do you remember that? It's by, the scripture says that Joshua and Caleb followed God wholeheartedly. They, they, were, they were in this with all of their hearts. And that enabled them to see through eyes of faith. That enabled them to see what other people couldn't see. That God is the God of the possible. And so Joshua is saying, he's saying to the people, come back to this place of wholehearted commitment to God. Because that's what he lived. That's what enabled him to say, you know, we can do this. God's going to bring us to new places. There is going to be transformation. There are going to be giants that, that are going to be defeated as God enables us. We are going to walk in the blessing that God has for us because he was wholeheartedly devoted to God and that enabled him to see with eyes of faith. And so what he does is he calls a nation to live the same way. And he says to them, God has some amazing things in his heart for you. There's some amazing things ahead. And so come to this place of wholehearted commitment to God. Consecrate yourselves. Follow God wholeheartedly. And I believe God's call for us today is the same. That when we come to this thought that says consecrate yourselves because tomorrow God is going to do amazing things among you, 
that we would simply come back to that place where we say, God, my, my life is set apart for you, so, so I have left some things behind to follow you. And that's a good thing. I'm surrendered to the path that you have for me, and that's a good thing. I've submitted my will to you, God, because I want my life to be set apart for you, and that's a good thing. And that we come back to this place of, of setting ourselves apart from things that will hinder God's work in our lives, and that our priorities have changed, that we have left behind some old ways of living, that we have left behind some old ways of thinking, that we have left behind some old priorities, and that God has called us to himself, and we are now living a consecrated life. We're saying, God, my life is for you. And so Joshua says to a nation, this is how we should live. And he calls them to consider how they're following God. And then this is what happens. As we, as we simply live this way, and, and make no mistake, this is just a day-by-day commitment to following God. This happens daily in our lives, doesn't it? Where each day, the Bible says that we are to live our lives as a living sacrifice, that our, our daily life, we are just to say, God, my life is yours. And we say it again, and we say it again, and we trust that he's going to, to work through that. And, and when we do that, it means that when God calls us to move, we're ready to move. You see, when you live with that perspective that my life is set apart for God, then, then you're ready to move. When God calls you to something new, when God calls you forward, you're ready. You're ready. See, consecration carries with it this idea of preparation. And Joshua knew this. He knew that if the nation of Israel were to be ready to follow God to some new places, they, they needed to be all in with God. They needed to look at places in their hearts that were perhaps divided, and they needed to come back to this place to say, God, my life is for you, and so, and so you're calling us to move, and so I'm ready because I've determined in my heart once again that I want to serve you with everything that's in me. God, my deepest desire is that I would live for you, that I would be set apart for you. And Joshua knew this was such an important step that they would be ready to move when God called them because they had set themselves apart for him. And so he says to them, God's calling us to move, but there's something we need to do first. Consecrate yourselves because tomorrow God is going to do some amazing things among you, not out there, in your lives. He has some plans for you. He has some powerful things he wants to begin to do in your life. And so today we say yes by committing ourselves again to God and consecrating ourselves to him. Uh, Chris, can you come up? I just want to just share with you a visual of this before we come to a time of communion. And um, you know, Chris is such a good sport. He asked, is this going to hurt? I said, no. So we're going to bring this over. Chris lets me put him on the spot all the time. So, so Chris... I haven't said what he's had to do yet, but can you just stand right there for a minute? And just look really good. So can we have that verse back on the screen? That, um, that Colossians verse 122. So this is the reality. Let's just walk it through again really quickly. The reality is that, that God calls us to be set apart for him. 
And so there's, there's this old way of life that we've been living, right, apart from God. And Scripture says that, that on this side of the cross that, that we really, our spirits are dead to God. We're, we're, we're not alive to God because there's sin that separates us from God. And yet there's something in the heart of God that says, I want to call you apart from that darkness. I want to call you to myself. I want to place you beside me. I want you to live your life out of, out, of, out of a relationship with me that your life is now for me and for my purposes. And so he sent Jesus, and, and Jesus is the only way that we can be brought near to God, that we can be made pure and holy, that we can be consecrated. And so there's a moment in our lives where it's by faith, right? It's by faith. It's by realizing, Jesus, you hung on that cross and you took my sin and, and, and the debt of my sin was, was paid in full there. My sin was nailed to the cross. And by faith, we simply say, Jesus, I accept what you have done for me. That I can be cleansed of my sin. That I can be set apart for you, God. And it's all because of Jesus. It's not because of anything that I do. It's not because of any of my effort. But God begins to stir our hearts and we begin to realize there's something in my life. And, 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 and it's this desire to live for God. It's a desire to be set apart for his purposes. And so we, we put our faith in what Jesus has done, and by faith we receive salvation. By faith we are made whole. And then, and then at that moment, God says, okay, come on over here, Chris. And you, you have now left some things behind, right? You've left behind an old way of life. You've left behind old ways of thinking. You've left behind old priorities. And because of what Jesus has done, Chris, I'm bringing you close and I want you to stand near me. I'm setting you beside me. And Chris, your life is no longer for, for those old purposes, but it's for me. And in the heart of every one of us, God has designed us to come to that place where we are set apart for God. That's his design. And uh, unless we get to that place, we will continually seek for something that will fulfill us. Because it's in God's heart for you to be set apart for him. And Jesus has made it possible. And so God has consecrated you through what Jesus has done. And then as Joshua called the people to, we consecrate ourselves. And that means we simply walk, we walk a consecrated life. We make choices that now reflect who we are. We make priorities in our lives that are Godward, not, not selfward. We at, at places of decision in our lives, we seek God because our lives are set apart for him. But sometimes, sometimes in our lives we can begin, uh, we can begin to, to make choices that maybe aren't, that aren't pleasing to God. And, and while we're still, we're still a child of God, we begin to make decisions that, that aren't uh, obedient decisions. And so, you know, maybe there's a, there's a place in our lives where we decide, no, I'm, I'm going to go my own way. These are going to look really awesome on you, Chris. And God, in this area of my life, I, I, I hear you speaking to me through your word, and, and, I, and I know that you're, you're saying something to me about this, but I'm, I'm not going to obey. And I'm, I'm going to go my own way in this, this area. And, and our hearing just gets a little bit less effective. It, it gets a little bit harder to hear the voice of God. And maybe, maybe there's something that there's a path for you that God has called you to follow and, and in some way, oh, this is interesting. You've got glasses already. 
in some way you've decided, no, I'll put those on. I, God, I, I, I see that path in front of me. <laughs> You're looking great, Chris. God, I see that path in front of me, and I know that you're calling me to that, to that place, that decision. I know that, that this, is, this is the path you're calling me on, but, but I feel like I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close my eyes on this one, and I'm, and I'm going to go this way. And it becomes a little bit harder to see clearly God's direction for your life. And we begin to get spiritual cataracts. We begin to get spiritual earwax. And we are called to live a consecrated life where, where again and again we come back to this thought that says, God, you have set me apart for you because of what Jesus has done. And then, and then I'm going to begin to live a life that is for you. My choices are going to reflect that. And then sometimes we get to a point where, where we just get stubborn and, and we say, God, I know that you know, you're calling me to, to walk forward in this in this way in my life, but, you know, I'm, I'm just not interested. And, uh, and I'm just going to stay right here. How many of you are stubborn? Yeah, we all are at some points. And so we just begin to make some choices that, that instead of saying yes to God, we start to say no, and it may just seem like a little no, right? That's just a small one. And so, so sometimes in our walk with God, sometimes church, we look like this. And... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I did, don't take that personally. <laughs> this is supposed to be serious. Come on. <laughs> and so when God calls us to move, we're like, God, was that you? I, I'm not sure if I can hear you all that well anymore. And, and God, where are you calling me? I, it, it seems like things are a little bit foggy. They're, they're not as clear as they used to be. And, and, and I go to move, and oh, man, this, this is really hard. I can't, I can't follow you the way that I want to, which is in freedom and in joy. And so God calls us to live a life that is set apart for him. And that means making choices that are obedient choices. Steps of faith that are obedient steps of faith. And, and church, I think sometimes we, we look like that, that church that's just weighed down because, because our hearts are divided and and God is calling us back to say, you, I have set you apart for me. And I want you to begin to live who you are. I want you to begin to make choices that, that reflect an undivided and, and, and a wholehearted commitment to me. And, 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 and if you realize, you know, this, this is me, that, that there's, there's, a, there's a clarity that I've lost in my walk with God. There's this ability to hear God that I have yet to really step into, or maybe it was there and I've lost it in some way, and, and I want to move, but it just seems so hard. The Bible says that we are just to turn to God, we are to confess those areas in our lives, agree with what God says about those areas of disobedience or those areas that are hindrances, confess and then repent, and that means turn from that way and turn to God. And I believe that God will help you to begin to live a life that reflects a life that is set apart for him. You have been set apart for him. And he will enable you to live a set apart life. And so Jesus wants to come and he wants to begin to say, you know, you, I, I can begin to remove these things and, so that you can see, right? You can see clearly again. And, and I, I want to just take off 
the results of that disobedience, I, I, I want to forgive you, and then I want to allow you to begin to hear my voice more clearly again. And then I, I want to take off those things that have been, that have been hindering you, those, those choices that are, that are choices that are disobedient and not, and not part of my will for you. And, and I want to forgive you, but I don't want to just forgive you. I want to set you free to begin to walk in a new way. And then we begin to hear God's voice clearly. We begin to see clearly his path for our lives. We begin to be in this place where we can readily follow him when he asks us to do something. We begin to walk in freedom. And so God has consecrated you. He has set you apart for his purposes. And he calls you to walk in the way that he desires you to walk. He calls you to walk a life that is set apart for him. And he will help you with that. He will enable you to walk in freedom. Thanks, Chris. Give him a hand. So I'm going to ask Stephanie to come back, and we're going to have a chance to just celebrate communion before we go. <clears throat> but if we are to respond to where God is leading us, we have that second last slide. We need, it's so important, and Joshua knew this when it came to the nation of Israel. It's so important for us to be able to hear what God is saying, to be able to see where he is leading you in your life, and then to be able to follow him. And that means to respond with steps of ready obedience, of, of ready faith, of obedient faith. And that's God's desire for you, that you would walk with him in that place of freedom. And so I, I just believe that that word is so timely for us that it's time to move. And, and I, I, that's stirring in my heart over and over and if we are to follow where God is taking us, perhaps this morning we need to come back to this place of consecration. And that we would say, God, I once again come back to this place of affirming that I want my life to be for you. And maybe I've kind of been dabbling back in some places, you know, the old way of thinking, the old habits. And God, I want to be free. I realize how those can become hindrances for me to follow you with freedom and perhaps this morning you'll need to confess something specific before the Lord and you'll need to just say God I repent of that and I turn to you and I ask that you would free me up in that area would you forgive me I want to be able to respond and move quickly when you call me forward when you call me to new things in you I don't want to be encumbered by, by the sin that so easily entangles as, as the writer of Hebrews says And so is there, is there anything hindering you? Deal with it so that you can follow readily. Get ready to move. Get ready to follow. God has some great things in store for your life. He's calling you back to a place of being for him. And so it might be a, the hindrance of bitterness that you've been hanging on to. It might be unforgiveness. It might be harboring something in your heart towards someone. It might be an ungodly attitude or or perhaps it's a, just an area of disobedience. It's a willful sin. So Joshua said, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great things among you. I love that thought. God has good things in his heart for you. He set you apart for his purposes. There's a design for that, and that means you're going to leave some mundane things behind step into what God has for your life. Why don't we stand this morning?
So this is how we're going to respond and this is how we're going to close our time. It's going to be to celebrate communion together. I'm not sure what time it is. I don't have my watch on. I hope you're not rushing away because I really believe that um, probably the most important part of our time together is that time of responding to what God is speaking. That may be the most important moment that we come to every Sunday in our gathering because God wants us to respond. He wants us to say yes to what he's speaking to you and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The only reason I know that is because God honors his word, right? That's just a given. And so what is he saying to you today about this idea of being for him and and apart from other things? What is the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart?